Hey everybody and welcome to our brand new series of Mindset Monday. So this is our second episode, so if you haven't done so already, make sure and check out the first one. Um, so we are TKD Coach Academy, I'm Richie Ford and I'm with Adrian Byrne. Together we're looking to bring the best content for ITF practitioners to bring to their training, performance and competition standard to the next level. So we also have a, a designated series for ITF sparring, which is called Fight Chat Friday. So if you haven't checked that out and you're interested in the sparring side of ITF, make sure and check it out and see if that is something that you like. Um, and if that sounds good, be sure to subscribe because that's the kind of content you'll be expecting on this channel here. So we also post daily on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to get those daily updates, check us out there. And um, so what is Mindset Monday? So Mindset Monday is where we answer your questions that we receive in from Instagram story feature. We put it up every Monday and we answer all the questions to do with the mental side of martial arts training and performance. So the mental side of the training is something that everybody experiences and sometimes it can be negative, sometimes it can be positive, but either way it can be a difficult challenge to deal with things like nerves, anxiety, low self-belief, etc. Um, so when you're trying to perform at your best and to bring your potential to the performance and to show your martial arts, then that can be a tricky thing. So we like to just shine a light on this topic and maybe help out some people who are listening in to make the most of their training and to shine when it comes to getting on the mats. Yeah, sounds super. So, <clears throat> excuse me, our first question then was uh, relating to uh, how do you excel or how do you uh, become successful if you have no coach with you at sparring competition? And, you know, it kind of had a, a very quick look at the questions before we started this one. And, and that was one that I kind of said, right, I think we actually need to pick an angle on this one. So uh, the interpretation on it that I've kind of jumped at is traveling to competitions, particularly internationally, uh, though we'll also cover the, the, the national or local angle as well where you're not being supported by a coach. So your own coach maybe couldn't go to the competition with you and, you know, is it possible to be successful without the direct support of your coach at that competition? And like we could think of so many examples of people who've done well and who routinely travel to international competitions, even as major as a European or World Championships without, you know, their personal coach being there. In fact, it's the norm for most people at a European or World Championships that you're not going to have your coach at ringside with you. It's probably going to be a national team coach. And so, you know, it may very well be the case that they're not your normal coach. And so, even at that as well, though, if, if you come from a successful country, like, for example, Ireland, we have so many people on the floor at any given time. There's only so many coaches. Mm -hmm. So even if your club coach is present, it's not a guarantee either that you're going to be with that person. So it's definitely something to think about and something to be prepared for mentally. Yeah, it's actually a skill that you could develop in, you know, in terms of your own self-sufficiency, self-reliance, in terms of traveling and not having that safety net there or that support network there. But I think there are some lessons that we can learn from people who've done it and some of the things that they've done well that will help to maybe explain um, you know the the right way to do it and the things that they may be learned by doing it and so you know most of the people that i could think of they never tried like very few of them traveled on their own completely so they may have traveled without their coach but they would have often traveled with whether it's a, a parent 
um, you know, a supporter in terms of like a, a friend or, you know, a teammate, um, but they would have uh, uh, been traveling with somebody else. And I think that helps to spread the mental load of a trip, you know, so everything from the booking of the flights, the accommodation, the packing the passports and all the rest of the stuff, when you have someone else's sounding board, all of that gets easier. And it does mean that when it comes to the competition, particularly if you're a younger person who hasn't had a lot of travel experience, having a parent or an older brother or sister or a, someone like that there to kind of, you know, just assure you, yeah, no, no, it's covered, everything's sorted, we have the taxi booked, we have this, I think is a huge relief that lets you focus on the competing side of things. So for mm-hmm. me, that's like one of the first things that you want to be thinking about is, even when you're traveling, can you have a support network? It doesn't necessarily have to be your coach, but it should be someone who can help to support you and doesn't make your life harder, you know, in terms of going to a competition. Yeah, definitely. And then like, if you think about this as well, just on from a point of view of being on the mats, mm. it is it is a strength and I think it builds mental toughness and mental strength to be able to do that alone as well to not have to be reliant on your coach because at the end of the day, you're the only person that's stepping foot onto that center square. It's you and your opponent with one meter between you uh, when it comes to sparring at least and mm-hmm. also the same principle applies for pattern or whatever you're competing in. Generally, it's up to you to perform. Even if you have somebody along there with you, it, you need to perform to your own ability to, to make the most of whatever event you're in. So not having a coach there, it, it actually builds that strength, I think. So straight off the bat to answer the question can you be successful i think absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's another bit of it that i think is really really important as well which is that the rules will state that you have to have a coach in the corner so what that means is if you travel without your own coach you're going to need to make or build a relationship with someone else who can sit in and act as your coach which means you have to have developed a bundle of characteristics for yourself which are gonna be useful in the long term at making you successful and not just successful without a coach, but successful in general. So if I go to championships and my coach isn't there and I need Richie to coach me, I need to be able to explain to Richie, hey, this is what I know about my opponent. This is what I plan to do. This is how I tend to spar. Expect me to do this. This is how I need to warm up. This is, you know, these are the things I need to hear from you throughout the match or in the interval. And, uh, you know, I need to be able to have that conversation with someone, maybe someone I don't know all that well. So I really have to which know myself Which means your self-awareness yeah, has yeah. to be through the roof, which is a very, very important skill, I think, in terms of the mental side of performance, isn't it? Like, yeah, definitely. We only put up a, a post on this yesterday on, on Instagram. Well, not yesterday, sorry. We're recording on Friday. But um, last Thursday, we would have put up a post. So it was about uh, a quote that Bruce Lee said, you have to know yourself to be able to, to bring that to the forefront then as well. So like just that whole idea of self-awareness is so, so important when you're competing because you're going through emotions, you're going through lots of things. You need to know what is necessary for you to perform at your best. Mm-hmm. And I think that knowing that and being able to articulate that and communicate that with somebody else is something that will actually build your mental strength, I think. I think the the final thing that happens is you'll end up having much more... Uh, because you need to do that, people will record more. You know, they'll they'll video their fights. They won't be as reliant on another person's interpretation of their performance. They're going to go to their own interpretation or almost the crowdsourced interpretation of it. So they'll sit with their friends or they'll sit with, uh, you know, maybe the person who stepped in to coach them, maybe even some of their competitors and have a look at the video and say, well, okay, what did I do well? What can I improve on? What else could I have done differently? 
and you know or even when it's been super successful it's like okay still what did i do well what could i improve on you know is there something else i could have done under this pressured situation and you know by finding those answers sometimes the crutch of having someone else to kind of do that for you is limiting and so try to take the disadvantage of not having the coach and turn it to your advantage by it's like they say with it's almost like the thing of you know if you lose one sense the other ones get sharper it's almost that idea isn't it it's like you know okay if you don't have a coach to help you interpret this your own interpretation skills and self-awareness need to improve mm, yeah i think so and there's a lesson here as well for coaches of like try to build that autonomy within your students you know you, you don't want them to become very reliant on you and almost at a case where they can't perform and they can't assess their performance and reflect and things unless you're there like mm-hmm. i know for example in your own situation adrian you've got a, a great relationship with some of your athletes and that's fantastic for them but then at the same time it, it doesn't mean that if you don't have that relationship that you can't be successful yeah. because there's plenty of examples there of people they don't have that support network really at the same level but they still can be successful so I oh, think absolutely. it's not really it's not really something that um, determines your ability to to be successful or not. Yeah, it's not a it's not an absolute limiter. It's one where mm-hmm. you know a, a good constructive positive relationship. And I mean, let's step outside of Ireland or our own experience. But you look at Julio Carlos and uh, William Palazza, and you'd have to say like you know those are two guys who just tune tune in together. They're a phenomenal team, but you know there are plenty of other people, and you could name so many competitors around the world where you wouldn't even necessarily know who that coach is, but mm. I mean, look at valuable Neil work for with people, that coach, you know? Yeah, for people like who, who know the old scene, like Neil Ernest would be an example there. He Perfect. trained himself mostly in Wales mm-hmm. and he came along, he, he often got a coach from somebody in England, jumped yeah. into the seat and he just, he just did his own thing and he was often, it got to the highest level in European and world. So like, I, I don't think, it, as you said, it's not a limiter. Absolutely not. Yeah. So let's have a look at question number two and uh, how to get over the fear of breaking myself again during training. The mental block is huge. So again, we're going to look at this one as maybe, you know, an injury and a recurring injury or, you know, maybe it was a devastating injury that, you know, took an awful lot to recover from and overcoming the mental block of resuming training and trying to, you know, get back into normality. And you wouldn't envy anyone that particular challenge. It's it's a yeah, tough. Yeah, no, one. it can be tricky, definitely. And I think the the biggest thing here is patience. I think you have to be patient. You can't kind of rush it. You can't force it. You need to give yourself that time to build up. We mentioned this in last week's episode. Evidence. It's such an mm. important thing for us mentally that we need to have that reassurance and awareness that okay, everything is fine, and I can go back to performing how I performed previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to build up that evidence and the only way you can do that with injuries is just patience and gradually taking a step further I think that it's important as well to note that you probably need to have a lot of trust in your training partners and people who you're working with for this to be um, possible so you can't go there with people that you don't really trust really well that are going to go almost like gung-ho and, and more for their gain as opposed to mutual benefit mm-hmm. so I think that that's a very important thing to think about but when you think about it right now, it's probably the best time ever to be injured because there's not much going on. You have plenty of time to recover, plenty of time to yeah. be patient and, and to build up that evidence gradually that you're able to perform again. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as much as it's very daunting at the moment, one of the things that being a little bit, 
daunted by it or put off by it or nervous about it does is it does set a rate limiter so you like the people who are most likely to re-injure are the ones who are under pressure or putting themselves under pressure to jump back in quickly to meet a deadline to do whatever it happens to be and that's often very risky and dangerous whereas mm-hmm. you know if you're in the position where you're reintroducing yourself to your sport and you're not putting yourself under pressure to be 100 percent the best you ever were uh, right away I, that's an advantage um there are plenty of success stories of people who've come back from particularly nasty injuries and you know and, and made a full recovery and gone back into competition and done very very well but even starting from outside of that going back to what was richie was saying about the evidence um like i would say you have a couple of different ways that you can build that and sometimes it's like retesting but in a different environment. So if you're nervous, for example, about sparring, well, you know, can you start it with something like weightlifting? Can you start it with something like, okay, is cycling good? Is swimming good? Can I go, you know, trail running? Is that good? How about, you know, um, a little bit of uh, plyometrics? How's that feeling? You know, and as you gradually reintroduce yourself to activities that have the same kind of function or load as the activity that you're afraid of, uh, you'll find the fear won't be there for those activities to the same degree because there's no memory of how the injury happened. But then you are building that evidence base that actually I am recovered, actually I'm fine. Or you'll realize you're not recovered and you're not fine and you need to do additional you know, uh, prehab work or rehab work to get you into a position where you are good to go. And last thing we would want is anyone held together with sticky tape and you, know, you want to do your, your rehab correctly and be in a good position mm. to go again. And then there's the advice that, well, can you use this time? Because in using this time, you don't want to have it of, I would do this if I got better. You want to be kind of setting yourself as, well, when I'm better or when I'm recovered, these are the things that I'm going to do. And by having positive hooks and anchors in the future that are uh, things that you're working towards now, that when your body lines up and the recovery is complete, that you can continue working on. So working on your mental, you know, your mental uh, skills, I think we have one of the questions that's coming up later that will kind of give some ideas on this, but working on your mental training, your imagery, your rehearsal, your, uh, uh, your, uh, we'll say positive affirmations and things like that now is the perfect time to be doing that because you're also giving yourself permission to look to, the, to a future where your injury is behind you and you're working away as normal. So you need to believe that there is a time in the future where your injury isn't a problem for you. Uh, you know, Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to overcome the present where you're nervous and worried about the injury because it's been a problem for you for however long. Mm-hmm. There, there's going to be coming a point as well where you want to be able to pull that trigger again. And you don't want to step on the competition floor in particular or be it even like a grading or the training floor and not be able to, to pull the trigger when you want to. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that can be... Def- that can affect you in other ways then as well your confidence starts to be affected and things like that so yeah i think it's important to be patient and really give yourself that time that is necessary definitely let's have a look at a third question so uh this is the the one i was mentioning there so how to keep motivated during the quarantine any mental workouts to share so i think the first thing to say is we can empathize (laughs) because yeah, we're, we're locked down as well. We've got nowhere to go and uh, Zoom is only so attractive, but we're doing it. And um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, the motivation part of it is, part of it is remembering as well that motivation comes and goes. It's not, um, 
you know it, yeah like it's very time and mood dependent yeah, isn't it and absolutely. that's the whole that's the that's the whole thing about motivation it's not it's not everlasting no. it's more about the, the the bigger why behind of what you're doing so whatever you're doing like for example like we just mentioned for me when i'm coaching usually i'm really interested in picking up new things reading books reading pod, listening to podcasts trying to get in new information and then put that into action with my classes and my students and my athletes but now the fact that that has been taken back that the motivation for it seems to lack a little bit mm-hmm. because it, it's it's time dependent and it's you know it's it's not really something that we can put into action right now. So then it comes back to thinking about the, the bigger picture and your why. What is your big purpose for doing it? And I think that that's the the, the deeper meaning here, but behind motivation of whether it's like you want to be a world champion, whether you want to become a black belt. The reason of why is more important than the the short term motivation, which is very, as we said, time and mood dependent. Yeah, definitely. And you know, once you've got that established why, then it's about, I suppose, uh, establishing routines and habits. And you know, I mean, there, I, I I have no idea what number Fight Chat Friday we just did. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, we would tend to record our Fight Chat Fridays of a Thursday to give some time for editing and all the rest of it. But that means that we have to have found our topic by Monday or Tuesday. We have to go and found our videos on the Wednesday, edit the clips, set the scenes, do all of the work that has to be done on the Wednesday night or the Thursday morning. So it can happen every Thursday. Um, and you don't always feel it, you know, on a Monday or Tuesday or a Wednesday, but it's going to happen. And because it's going to happen, yeah. you get to have a very enjoyable chat of a Thursday morning. But to get to the very enjoyable chat of a Thursday morning, you have to have and follow your routines. And it's the same things that always happen with it. You've got to set yourself up with attractors. So things that encourage you to want to do the things that are part of your routine. You have to associate negative consequences with the things that are going to take away from that. So you have to be accountable. You have to follow all those usual little guidelines around establishing good habits. And, you know, there's some great literature you can get into and books you can read around forming uh, forming habits and the rest of it. But the, the principles are really, really solid. Uh, you want to make it so that it's something that you don't even think to do. It's just it's Thursday. That's what I do. And when you have a good enough reason behind it and you believe enough in your, um, you know, the goal behind it, then it's easier to follow through on that habit. But you also need a critical number of repeats. So the big thing would say for that motivation, remember motivation is entirely transient. You'll have it, you'll lose it. The habits and the uh, the routines are far more permanent. And reflecting back on your why and really understanding what it is that you're actually aiming for in the longer run will help you get through it. And also to understand we are all going to find it hard. You know, yeah. that's fine. Um, tap into that support network have a chat get into the uh get into the zone just do training you like you know do anything because it is really a tough time for everyone Mm, like you should just do what your natural interests in that moment want you to do and i think that's that's the best way to go about it and then when you think about it um in terms of like how like if it is your training like what interests me right now maybe i want to do flexibility training that's going to help the bigger picture of the why or the the end goal that i want to get so there there's always things you can do to, to keep pushing forward but it's just i think that's that's the big lesson here is to find out what your your reason is your your driver your why and there, there's a good exercise um if, if you google or youtube the the seven levels deep 
it's a, it's a good exercise to, to really get down and deepen the levels of why you want to achieve a particular task or a goal. And I think that's, that's a, a good exercise for anybody mm-hmm. at the moment who, who, who has a particular goal and maybe they're losing a bit of motivation. It, it's, a, it's a nice exercise to examine and to, to see if that's actually something that you, you really want. Yeah, and there was something that was on the radio last night, actually, and it was talking about um, the restrictions that are in place around arts and arts classes and dance and music and so on. And the, the question or the, the way that the interviewer kept bringing it up was, you know, oh, yeah, it's very important for people to have their hobbies. And it's like, I was twitching, you know, it's like, because, you know, we're in the same situation and I could tell that the person on the other side, like they're a dance teacher or something, they're in the same situation. It's like, this isn't my hobby, you know, and it's because you have that bigger why. If this was your hobby yeah. and your hobby was interrupted, you completely get over it. You know, if you can't do the things that you do for a bit of diversion, like if I can't watch Netflix, I'm fine. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Netflix will be there when I get back to it. It's a hobby. This, the reason this is bothering you and mo- the motivation matters to you, you don't need to be motivated to watch Netflix. Uh, that, that's different. The reason that the motivation bothers you is because it's more than a hobby. It's something you want more from than... Uh, than just a simple hobby um so it could be recreational still but you have goals around it you have you you're feeling limited by the restrictions you know and it's about exploring what's possible within those limits and maybe once you really know what your why is and what you what your overall goal is you can find the things that are still possible within these restrictions and i think that's a, a good guidance for for me and for most of us mm, absolutely yeah good advice Number four. So, uh, I want to be as calm as possible in competition, or sorry, do you want to be as calm as possible in competition sparring or want to have some level of intensity? So, really great question. Love this one. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, We kind of actually hit a bit of this on Fight Chat Friday from last Friday. So, if you want to go check that out, I think it might be a good one as well. We, We, on proactive and reactive side of things. So it kind of it kind of plays into this a little bit, and um, for me, I think this question is actually there's there's a a couple of bits to it. But first off, I think it's really individual in terms of it depends on your personality and it depends on what kind of a person you are. Like for example, for me, I was generally a counter style fighter. I think that went with my personality well because generally I'm kind of like playful and and outgoing and things like that whereas I wouldn't be a very intense character. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If, if I was, like, gung-ho, aggressive, forward, pedal to the metal, like, that wouldn't really ever suited my style, I feel. So, like, natu- like it doesn't make sense for you to kind of go against the grain and be completely different to how you are as a person. So that's first off, but there is a stipulation. I think you do need a balance, and there's that whole idea of yin and yang that we, we spoke about that as mm-hmm. well um, before recording, that you need to have that balance of you, if you're always reactive or you're always intense, then it's not going to always be of value to you because you need to be like it. You need to be unpredictable, first of all, but then you need to be able to have different strengths and um, almost like different tools in your toolbox. So I think that like it, it is important to really play to who you are and what what you naturally feel obliged to to be, mm-hmm. but there there is there is that balance that you need to get. Like you want to go in there calm, but you want to be going in there ready. You know you mm-hmm. don't want to be going in there calm and switched off. You don't want to be going in there intense and and overwhelmed and absolutely won't. So that there is that balance that you need to get. 
Yeah, and I think maybe something that you can add to that then is, um, you know, taking all of that on board is that calmness doesn't necessarily mean that you are um, super relaxed and chilled. Uh, calmness could actually just be calmness of the mind that you're you're focused on the right things. Your you know your efforts are directed at the appropriate things, and beyond that, you're not overly excitable. And you know, you're often you know for years and years and years, commentators of on fight sports will look at people's demeanor as they come to the ring, and if someone just looks dead set, focused, and expressionist, all, all of a sudden it's like you know they're an assassin they're like they're clinical they're whatever and that's the, the the thing that gets put off if someone's kind of playful they're high five in the crowd they're doing whatever else then it's going to be you know there's going to be something else said about them you know if they're bouncing and hopping and you know and, and the eyes are wild or whatever it's like oh okay this guy's really you know and, and there's there's an awful lot that's superficial about that and really what you're wanting going into the sparring ring is to be as you said as mentally aroused or is physically like prepared and i suppose they excited or you know having the energy level right to where you're as intense as up for it as uh i mean i i always kind of ju- just think of this anxiety arousal curve so it's like on on the one side of it you're anxious it's not good it's suppressing like the uh the thoughts actions behaviors that you need and on the other side you're over aroused and you're hyper and your your focus is flitting from thing to thing and you're draining nervous energy you know and you don't want to be in either of those cases and within the middle band there's room to be more playful more relaxed or more hyper more you know um more more kind of uh, intense and it depends on the personality there so for everyone there's a way too far on the right way too far on the left mm-hmm. and within the middle band the, the goldilocks zone there's still room for you know for each of us to be our own special little snowflake and have you know the right level for us and uh, i think the skill is knowing how to manipulate it up or down to where you need it to be yeah like you need to like you need to be calm when you come there because you don't want to be as you said you don't want to be like feeling really anxious and you don't want to be overwhelmed but then at the same time you need to be ready to pull the trigger when it's time to pull the trigger mm. and I, yeah it's getting that balance absolutely and i think it's we we've spoke about this in one of the earlier questions of that self-awareness, you know, when yeah. we were, spoke about people who were competing without a coach, having that self-awareness of what you need and what kind of a game you have, what type of a person you are, all of those things play into the self-awareness of knowing how to get yourself ready, how to prepare yourself. And if you need to adjust and tweak things, maybe you're too overwhelmed there and you need to just take it back a notch, calm down. Maybe you're too intense. Maybe you're too hyper, and then you you just get a adrenaline dump, and you're not feeling really good. So it's yeah, it's knowing yourself, and I think that that's just it takes time. There's a bit of trial and error with that, for sure. And um, so you need to you need to experience as many, um, I suppose, times to perform when we get nervous and when there's those moments. It's not really the same when we're in training and things are a little bit more comfortable. So, um, yeah, the more tournaments you can get to, the more performances, gradings, those kind of things that you can get out in front of a crowd and time to perform, you can kind of play with that and find find your own little niche, I think. Yeah, definitely. And definitely have a look at some of the tools for bringing yourself either up the scale or down the scale. So we talked about the muscular relaxation, five breath technique, etc. in terms of calming people down. 
and we talked about hitting and warm-up routines and uh, you know activators and so on in terms of getting you up the scale in a little bit more um, intense ready for a match and you need to play with those and identify where you are and you know consistently working with a coach to find the right spot is a big part of it yeah All definitely right. sure we've hit good four questions there so we've helped at least four people so uh, that's it that, that's a, a great video done but if you want to get involved next week make sure and keep an eye on our instagram story feature on mondays so every monday we'll put up the, the question feature there where you can just pop in your questions we we'll pick up some questions every monday for next week's episode so anybody looking to get involved and and to have your questions answered be sure and get involved there super we'll see you next week see you next time